Hello and welcome to Was That in Good Taste, the podcast that is one part cocktail hour, one part irreverent talk show, garnished with a sprig of sensitivity training. My name is Chandler Phillips, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen. Oh, look at, look at the, well, welcome. That was a smooth that intro. Smooth. Look it's, at us. It's get, smooth. Sounding oh. almost professional up here. But not quite. Mm-mm. Not going to get there yet. Uh, <laughs> today we are going to be talking about the memoirs of an enabler. Um, so Stephen and I both work in jobs where we serve people alcohol. There's a lot of hypocrisy and just general issues that tend to arise not all the time but sometimes and today we're gonna you know dive into those have a little chat have a little chat have a little topic of the uh a little little discussion of the of the week but first as always we gotta get a little bit of a catch-up yeah you know we gotta we're gonna we're gonna check in a little 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 check-in little fact check false Mm -hmm. little check-in how you doing chandler I'm I'm doing uh yeah I'm I'm doing all right but there's uh, something a little troubling happened happened this week and I've been dwelling on it a little bit. Have you really? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm actually I don't know anything about this. No, okay. I've been dwelling a little bit cuz so I work at this fine wine and and spirits. But don't tell them where it is because they might that's weird. Yeah, I'm not going to advertise for it or else then you know, boss would have to pay me more. <laughs> He's not going to do that. Because... <laughs> He's not going to do that. So, no, I'm working at this liquor store, and some some kids came in the other day, and you know, I'm clearly not going to serve them. They're, they're obviously, like, they're 17 at the oldest. And they come in, and they're like, as soon as they step foot, I'm like, you know, y'all going to have to show IDs. And they're like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them starts shopping around. And the other two are just kind of hanging out by the door. And I'm like, guys, either if you have an ID, show it to me right now or get out of my store. And one kid's shopping around and, the, and my manager is like following him and kind of you know making sure he has ID, ID mm-hmm. as well. Because there's, there's literally nothing in that shop. That they can purchase by being under twenty one, and I think what what kind of had me a little verklempt about the whole situation was like they were being so belligerent about the situation. I'm like, I, I'm I'm not a dumbass. They don't even know how to do it. They don't know how to. They do don't it. know how to be smooth and send the one person in who looks the oldest and just be chill about it. That was exactly it. Three of them came in. I said, "Yo." You guys need to go. They're like, oh, we're just waiting for our friend. He's 21. I'm like, all right. Then everyone has to show me ID because that's the law. And they're like, oh, well, he's – and I as – as as uh, I wasn't even aggressive, but just as confrontational as I had to be, it threw me off. And, you know, I'm not one to, to try to – dismiss any uh debauchery i'm i'm down with debauchery but not <laughs> while i'm being paid to enforce the the opposite of debauchery you know doesn't make me a bad person then because i work 
for the same business as you, mm. right? And but we sell beer and wine. And I have people. So I had somebody come in once with a group of people, and I, they they all were sitting on my bench. And I t- it happens every time at the same time every day. There we go. Um, I heard someone going that I just saw them in the bench, and I said, "Hey, uh, hey guys, you you know the bench is for customers." And they said to me, "Well, you know, we're gonna buy some." They came in, they shopped around. And the one guy, he came up to me. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to purchase this. I said, shit. What do you want to purchase? I need to see. It's just like, I don't know, some kind of cider. And I go, I need to see everyone's ID. I don't really care. I really don't mm-hmm. actually care. But the the guy came up. And I said, I have to ask all your friends for your IDs. I have to ask everyone. It's the law. Because they came in as a group. They, came they as have a group. to be ID. I like, I like, Damn, why didn't they just stay outside? Right? I'm not going to go. I'm too lazy. I don't give a fuck. Right? And then they're like, oh, no, we're not buying anything. And like, I but watched you pick it out. I. It was a group decision. <laughs> I, shit. You talked amongst yourselves. Like, can you just go outside and just like, you could have just gone outside. Just don't even argue with me, and this will all go over smoothly. Damn it. But is that bad? I feel like we're really kind of encouraging. So oh, so think about this. You felt kind of bad, right? Yeah. So there's a woman who came in with a family. It's like a, a mother, a father, a daughter, mm-hmm. and like two older daughters. And they had been in before. And she goes, oh, yeah. So <clears throat> she comes to me. She goes. She pulls out a website. She goes, "Well, it says here that if you're a mo- if you're a parent and your child is under the age of twenty one and blah blah blah," and I was like, "I don't care. I'm not gonna serve your child liquor." And I looked at her and I said, "If you buy a bottle of wine and take it to your table, I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. That's all you have to say that you want to buy a bottle of wine and it's gonna be okay. Like I don't need you to to rattle off." The Whatever fucking <laughs> subsection, paragraph E. I don't need the minutia, okay? I don't care, okay? Your daughter's like 20 years old and she's not old enough to her birthday's in three weeks. I don't care. <laughs> Just buy a bottle of wine, okay? And give her your glass and shut up. Leave me alone. I don't, exactly. It's It comes down to, I don't honestly give a fuck what their gonna be consuming i just don't want the repercussions of any legal uh ramifications to affect me and i know that other states is like in america you got 21 other countries is a little different things do change things are different yes do i care not so much i didn't really drink when i was underage i know that i saw studies that said that people are gonna they, you know, when you drink, you're underage, you're more likely to have accident, blah, 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 blah. Yes, that is true. Do I care? A little. But, like, if you're coming in to buy one beer, I'm really not going to care, but I don't want to get arrested, which is what they will do. The cops will arrest you. Yeah. And ticket you personally. They'll ticket you personally. They'll suspend the um, the place of business. They're, they'll suspend their licenses. Mm-hmm. There's so many so many more repercussions for the people who would enable such drinking 
than the people who actually consume Ooh, the alcohol. It's a, <laughs> did, wait, did I hit a buzzword? Did you hit that? Did you, oh, oh, transition, 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 transition. I was actually just thinking about that too. So, ooh, I want the little time to trans. Oh, I, so, I, I, I'm gonna tell you something. In the spirit of transitions, what are what are we drinking right now? Right, yes. What are we drinking right now? Because we're transitioning and we're talking about like things like liquor and things like that. Blah 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 blah. But there we go. Thank you very much for holding my drink for me. Um, we're talking about enabling things, and so. Because, you know, even though I work in, so where I work, we sell beer, okay? And we work for the same business, but you guys sell the hard alcohol. Right. So I don't know if you know this, but obviously, except for six packs of Budweiser, 30 packs of Coors Light and Budweiser, and like six packs of like Miller Light and stuff, which is not really, we don't sell like Natty Ice. We don't sell things that alcoholics drink. Like we we have people who are- That's true, but you guys have White Claw. Yeah, so we have people who are alcoholics who come and they- they are like functioning alcoholics, but we don't have like alcoholics who come like, you know, the people who come in, I usually refer them <laughs> no. to the corner to buy like, um, what is another, what's the 24 ounce can of something that's like old English, old English Ugh. or, uh, you were telling me one earlier. Mickey's? Is that? Mickey's? Oh, I've never heard of Mickey's. I don't think we have that. We have Malt liquor. Yeah. You know, Natty Ice and Natty Light and stuff like that. Right. Natural. No, they all come over to my store. They come over they there. Get, uh, they get the cheapest, the uh, cheapest pint of Voda they can find. Yeah. So Voda, what is like a vodka from like New Jersey? I'm not really giving a distributor nobody no love. Okay, it's from Jersey, and it is <laughs> actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's not paint remover, but at the same time, it's nothing luxurious. Well, I realized something. It's not overproofed vodka. That's true. And it's cheap and it's eighty percent, so it's not going to be something that's super harsh, super hard on like your palate and stuff like that. Though I really love the tasting notes that I found from yeah. this from from the website. Well, so you're actually trying to take the the Voda to like the next level of sophistication. I'm drinking it straight up. Of the plastic hand or the the plastic pint right here. I was gonna, which it's just it's the most common way I've distributed said <laughs> alcohol. So I thought I'd pay homage to the people that I see on a daily basis that you should that feel guilty about. I, I should feel some sort of intrinsic guilt for enabling their alcoholic or alcohol dependent tendencies. And so I'm trying to relate to them a little bit better by drinking it just straight out the plastic. How are you enjoying your your Voda 5X well, premium vodka, James? <laughs> five Steven? times distilled. Um, the thing that I feel, uh, I feel like I am actually on track. I was thinking about this, right? So we do have some customers who come in by one half pint, one full pint, sometimes two full pints, or sometimes, you know, but... There is two types of customer who buy Voda. And one one type two types. One type of person buys Voda because, you know, maybe they have something that's a little difficult and they have they have an addiction and, you know, they have to buy one every day or two every day or one half pint, one full pint every day. Mm-hmm. And you have people who buy it because they're having a party and they want to throw it in with something. 
you know? You got your 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 jungle juice crowd, yeah. and then you have your alcoholic dependency crowd. So I thought, I was like, you know, I should try to elevate. Elevate the Voda. So... How... How, <laughs> how you go about getting the best expression of Voda. So yeah. I, re- I should have made you one, actually. I was reading uh, on the website. It says that it's... Uh, with its with its with the smell of watercracker and chalk and the flavor of nutmeg and ginger and the hot body or whatever the hell it was yeah, saying it's a heavy <laughs> ethanol finish accompanied by uh notes of ground black pepper and ground ginger root yes it's supposed to be made for mixed drinks so i made a martini with a dirty sue garlic stuffed olive olive in it and i made it very dirty oh okay so dirty and it's actually pretty good yeah it's better than when i made so i think cheap gin i've discovered that cheap gin tastes great like i get london tower and i have it with gin and tonic tastes great Mm -hmm. but i made a martini with it i didn't like it wait wait, wait. just so in case mitch is listening none of it's cheap none of it's cheap it's affordable it's it's affordable it's an edit and it's a great deal (laughs) none of it's cheap none of it's cheap it's yeah but uh i think that the martini that i made with the affordable gin Mm -hmm. didn't taste so good bargain gin the bargain gin but the 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 bargain vodka with the with the uh dry uh vermouth what's the brand again dolan dolan Dolan. and the dirty sioux garlic stuffed olive Oh, it's, that's what's in. I thought it was a pit in there. No, it's a. It's no pimento. It's a garlic stuffed olive. Oh, it's go, it's actually a really good. And I kind of think I might, I might get some more voda. Maybe another pint just to have. Just just a pint to have on hand, just for, in case for for vodka martini. What's worse, to have a pint just in case, or to have a full handle to have distinguished as you're like mixing? No, I would hide it. Vodka, you'd hide it. I put it in the back. So, is the intrinsic shame of Voda really what makes it such a uh, an alcoholic, I guess, beverage? So, this is what happened when I first started going into the the liquor store where we work, really. Mm-hmm. And I noticed where I work, where you work, and I work <laughs> once, and it's attached to the same business. And, where I work, and, and you we hang get, out. We get, we get paid by the same person. Yeah. Um, I I kind of feel a little bad, so I was thinking about this. Right, um, I was like, oh, we're gonna drink Voda, and we're talking about alcoholics and and people with uh, who have alcohol dependence, mm-hmm. and we're drinking Voda because that's what they drink. But I feel bad because we are kind of picking on them a little bit, I feel like. You know, but like I'm the one who kind of suggested it. it actually, I did. It was completely me. I suggested it, mm-hmm. you know. And it is a little bit like I'm not saying we're bullying them, but, you know, we're making assumptions about people in their lives yeah. that we don't know. We don't see them. I mean, honestly, I don't know if they're drinking it out of the plastic flask. Yeah, they can be. They, they can be. They can be mixing it with. With orange juice using and it to prosecco, clean. they could be sharing with the family. They can be doing all kinds of things. Did you just say them. they could be using it to clean. <laughs> they could. Ooh, wow, that's a benefit of the benefit of the doubt. That uh, we, I feel like one we make clear that we should do that for people because we don't know them. You're right. You know, and I sometimes feel bad judging people that I don't know. But I think 
so as much as you want to feel bad about us being shitty people, this episode isn't about us judging the alcoholics that we know. It's about judging us and judging people like us who judging mostly you judging mostly me who work in liquor stores that enable such alcoholism and alcohol dependence to proliferate and i think that's where a lot of that guilt comes from because i feel guilty as fuck when i see the same person come in five times a day on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. it's how how am i supposed to feel about that Am, am I supposed to think, oh, they're a regular customer. I should befriend them. But in befriending them, you develop a personal connection that then says, you know, as a personal friend, you should not be here as often as you are. Mm. I, I so I really wish I'd done more research, but I was doing like ethical research, but I think it's like ethics and like like moral responsibility mm-hmm. but we're not gonna go there because i didn't i didn't actually get too deep into it <laughs> but uh, so well what what is the moral response what's the, what's the ethical response and it depends on whether or not you believe that people are responsible for their own actions and that their decisions are just theirs to make and you have really no place in it, which is kind of valid. That's a valid ethical school of thought. However, as humans, we're complex, and a lot of things are going on, a lot of things are happening inside of us, right? And so people that I know used to always say, like, oh, uh, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, right? <laughs> because especially like you're a vegan, right? Duh. No matter what you do, or how you eat, you're gonna negatively affect the environment, people or animals. That's yeah. just it. Game over. Okay. Even if you're all soy, there's still soy plants. Even if you literally are... lived on your own piece of land and got your own seeds, the seeds came on a truck from a person who ate meat. Nothing is. There's no ethical consumption, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there is some sort of negative effect. Or well, like, that's just because capitalism depends it, on the exploitation of the labor class. But that's for <laughs> <laughs> But also, capitalism can be kind of awesome. But that's where we had the whole conversation about. That, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. thing. Yikes! Um, <laughs> oh boy! But like, you look at it, and it's like, okay, so whose responsibility is it? Is it the responsibility of the consumer, of the employee, or the employer? So is or or is our owner who the next you level, said that's terrible the, by the, the way is his responsibility is it his responsibility he knows he has told me and told you I know mm-hmm. about how he feels about people purchasing a lot of alcohol and how it destroys lives yeah but he does it it's yeah those have always been kind of weird interactions with him too because. You can tell he he has some sort of moral or ethical dilemma with uh, supplying – no. He has a problem with the outcome of an alcohol-dependent neighborhood or community. That's he, – you he can tell that's what is completely transparent is that he sees what's going on around him. 
and he says this dependency and this need is negatively impactful on the community and on the people that are suffering from it. But he plays the role of the supplier of this uh, of this condition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is what confuses me the most about it. Which, you know, you have people in, in uh, retail situations all the time that kind of look at their their situation as it's a sale it's a it's the seller versus the buyer kind of scenario it's the customer is um, you know you're trying to help the customer but they're also at the same time the enemy mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. like they're they're the one you're trying to they're the mark. They're the mark. Yeah. They're that, that's exactly it. For those of who for those of hold on, no, no, you're gonna what? be wrong. Because that Mark came long before that. That's where Mark Mark is a carny term. No, I want you to explain what okay. a Mark is. So pretty much when you are when you are because I always explain it as a wrestling term, but wrestling is carny. Yeah, right. Mark is like a carny term, right? Because when you are when you're like when you were, I mean, even <sighs> even before carny terms, it can go down to like. The the oldest uh, yes. profession terms, <laughs> prostitution. It's, you know, pretty much. You can walk into a store. That's it. You're a mark. You're literally just a target. You are the person who's coming in, and I'm going to sell you. You're going to give me your money, and whether or not you get a good value or not doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't matter. However, the owner of our establishment has told me very clearly that he does not believe they should take advantage of the customer. That he really, really believes that. Like, you really shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I discovered from his brother that that's how their father was. That Wait, that's how that. They, I... That's how their father was. Their father believed in taking advantage of the customer severely. Oh, yeah. Interesting philosophies <laughs> of thought that come out of that family. So, because a lot of negative stuff happened... They don't believe he doesn't believe in taking advantage of the customer, but that's why his brother does take advantage of the customer. But to also to a certain extent, you know, there's no uh, ethical consumption under capitalism. To in every extent, you're kind of taking advantage. Well, of so, the customer. so there is a contract that you have between the as a consumer, right? And when you go into a place, you believe it's like, okay, you're going to offer me a product. Mm-hmm. And yes, I understand that the product costs you less to get, but for the labor and the effort and the ability to get it at a cost, you're going to offer to me at a reasonable Mark- markup, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's where the taking advantage takes place. That's how, how much margin Yes. Is that markup? Is how much you lean on it, how much you take advantage of. Um, when you look at Pete, the people that I see and that I think that you see who walk into liquor stores, I see the same kind of people I see in all kinds of situations. So there's a difference between. So if you go to the show notes, which I need to come up with a show note link before the podcast, because last time 
I said the show note link, but then I decided to do a different one because I forgot what it was. I didn't <gasps> listen to the whole entire podcast. I skimmed through it, so I forgot. Um, <laughs> if you look down in the description box or whatever you're listening to this on, the show note link is going to be there. Um, there's a difference between alcohol abuse and dependence, which is a big difference. Oh, yeah. Because abuse is kind of what we're doing now, where we're beating the hell, we're using, we're abusing it. We're... <laughs> We're beating this dead horse. But we're not dependent on it. And the people who walk into my shop sometimes, into your shop, are dependent. A lot of the times. But this is becoming a weird kind of overall arching like discussion about capitalism because it's the same thing when I worked at Starbucks. When you work in a, any kind of place with food, mm-hmm. that's kind of what's happening is these people are dependent. And they walk into these places and... <laughs> now, what if, say, there were some sort of industry that, like, all of its customers were somehow completely dependent on their products? Say, like, pharmaceuticals. Or, oh, whoa. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. We're changing the. T- oh, this is. So oh, cool. yikes. Oh, nah. boy. No, nah, that's way too long a road to grow. <laughs> that to is go so down. boring. <laughs> that's a whole lot of heat down there. Uh, but there's there's an intrinsic issue and as someone working in this field and as someone who has tried to develop somewhat of a personal relationship with my customers it's it's come it's become more and more of a hurdle to try to i guess ethically um um, come to terms with and it's not the first time I've had to at least address this issue of like how how much responsibility should I take for encouraging this potentially detrimental action or behavior. Why don't behavior. you tell me about the the first time? Oh, well, let me tell you about the first time Ooh. I played the enabler. Oh boy, which which one of these is it? Oh. Um, well, I could probably I could probably trace it back to like just growing up with. Um, my parents drank. They weren't alcoholics. They weren't super heavy drinkers, but just I like to be a part of their their socialness. And and when they drank, they became more bubbly and more um, fun. I get from my perspective, and so you know, I I wanted to be a part of it. Not necessarily drink with them, but like, hey, you know, Dad, you're. Having fun hanging out here. Let me go grab you a beer, and you'd be like, "Oh, sure, yeah, why not?" Because that's innocent enough, and I feel like I'm helping, and I feel like I'm being included in the festivity. But you know, as as life goes on, you things change, and um, when I got to college, that tendency became, I guess, more apparent like so i <clears throat> smoke a smoke smoke it a weed a little bit of the a little bit a little, of the ganja a little bit of the devil's lettuce <laughs> and going into college you run into a lot of friends or a lot of people acquaintances that don't but it's not because they don't like it it's just because they never have had that opportunity before mm. And so now I was put into the position of 
being that kind of like, hey, you ever tried some drugs? Kind of, kind of persona, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not like I I used smoke. I use smoking as a way to kind of engage with people, and I used it as a as a social development tool. Like instead of, uh, I don't know, instead of doing something lame like throwing around a frisbee, I say, "Hey, <laughs> I'm gonna go down to the beach and smoke some weed. Anyone else want to come with me?" And they'd say, well, I never smoked some weed before. That sounds like a fun old time. I'm like, well, you're right, it is. And so we'd go down. And so sure enough, I I ended up with like five or six friends within a couple weeks of college who were just kind of like my little stoning group. Like I'd felt kind of like a kinship to them because I had corrupted them in a certain sense. And then we'd go and we, we'd we go smoke our weed. That's actually why I started smoking. Um, my, my preferred method of smoking now is to smoke menthol, tobacco, <laughs> spliffs, because I would use this tactic to gain friends or to gain some sort of social... Um, interaction. It's manipulative. It's kind of manipulative. No, it's super manipulative. <laughs> I'd, I'd use I'd use it to like gain some sort of in with people, and then I realized it was working with way too many people, and so then I'd be like, oh well, I'm gonna go smoke some weed, but you probably don't want none of it because I <laughs> sprinkle a little tobacco on it. They're like, oh no, I don't. I don't fuck with that. But then you get the few kids who are also like, oh, okay. Like, I'm down. Fuck. All right. Oh, yeah. Man. Come on. <laughs> and then then it evolves to, uh, I'm going to go smoke some of my weed, but you probably don't want none of this. It's got a little tobacco, and it's, it's also menthol flavor. People don't like menthol, so cigarette and the, <laughs> and the like real hippie kids they're like, not black they they don't want none of that <laughs> i know they're not black <laughs> i know yeah you laugh all you want i know that's how i have so many black friends <laughs> <laughs> they were like menthol, menthol. is it newport flavor <laughs> but so like that that's me that would be what i'd smoke and so the the people who would still smoke with me then would be like like I I develop even more a connection to and so like that whole system of enabling was just how I made friends and how I cultivated my social circle and it's extremely uh, unhealthy. Oh man, I don't know how you're doing in New York because because everybody else everybody except for me already smokes, right? <laughs> I think that's that's why you're my wow. friend. Jesus. <laughs> wow cause you saw past uh, through enough of my bullshit <laughs> you just be like oh okay this guy he may be desperate for friendship and just not being lonely all the goddamn time <laughs> uh, maybe he just needs like an actual friend <laughs> uh, but like so so then I, I'd, I'd do this and then I'd see my friends who I introduced to this kind of stoner culture kind of shirking their other academic or or life responsibilities to that and that's where the guilt comes from is fuck i started that 
I enabled that that habit. Oh, I got you. I got yeah. you. It hit me. What, All right, what? you ready for this? Yeah. Right. I had something very similar, but it wasn't with that. Because listen, my mother smoked my entire life, but I never knew. Because my mother, as a good parent. She's good. She made it so I, I, I didn't know. That's impressive. Even when I was like 19. You were dumb. I was like, oh. Oh, she's smoking marijuana. I didn't realize. <laughs> Literally, I didn't realize until she just stopped hiding it. And then she like made a fucking bong out of a like a coke bottle like i hey, swear way I, to didn't, go. I didn't even know but it wasn't that for me because like you know my grandmother gave me like a small sip of beer i think on the train i remember this when i was like no seven. train beer those don't right? count <laughs> you know and oh, i got a great story for you and, but that's and when i was and when i was um <laughs> when i was well that's like deflate a story and when i was like 18 my mother let me a drink with uh, her mm-hmm. and it was a bottle of Cisco. Oh boy, I was I was so fucking drunk. Cisco, what's what's it's, a Cisco was like? I think like it's like four loco before four loco. So it was like it was like twelve percent, and I didn't know, I had never had a drink before really, and I was like, oh my fucking god, I'm so fucking drunk. Big yikes! But for me, it wasn't weed, it wasn't alcohol, it was love. It was love. It was love. Is that code for meth or something? No, actual love. I remember. Oh. I remember my ex-girlfriend. I'm never gonna forget this because you mentioned something. You like talking about shirking responsibility, mm-hmm. and I remember that I would meet these girls after high school. I meet these girls, and I'd be like, "Oh, nobody likes me." But then I had like people liked me after high school. I was like, "Oh yes, I'll get these girlfriends. They'll be so into me, and I would just feed into it." And they'd be like, "Oh, can I come to your house?" I'd be like, yes, <laughs> and they wouldn't go to school. My ex-girlfriend failed out of high school because I enabled her. I used to tell her all the time, come to my house, come to my house, come to my house. Scoff. She came to my house so much. And I'm not even, this is actually, it's actually very fortunate because she's a pretty successful person. And we're pretty close now, actually. Thank fucking God. Because I actually feel really terrible about this. So she was going to like summer school because she fucking fucked up her like senior year of high school coming to fucking come visit her fucking boyfriend who's just out of high school and she came to my house on my birthday so yeah you know we did the thing <laughs> and then I was like peace out and then I left her to go see some other girl oh. right and I, oh. I just remember thinking to myself like I felt bad then mm-hmm. but in hindsight I feel worse because the thing about people and love addicts is because like I oh. was that see that's the kind of addict I was You're, you were a love enabler but I was also I was also a love addict myself it was like a codependent kind of thing Ooh. because when I was in high school nobody liked me or whatever you know so you get older and it's like oh people like me well so, cause like uh, what is it Oxy- oxytocin and uh, serotonin yeah. and dopamine those are just as addictive as yeah. any other so when fucking... you meet someone who like likes you and it's like oh they like me but then, like, after a while, the high fades, and you're just like, oh, I actually don't, we have nothing in common, I don't really like you, and nothing's really going on. I know, I never really had But the then alcohol. you have sex again, and then the, like, the, yeah, you get just that like, hit again. Yes. Yeah. But, like, I never did the alcohol, I never did the weed, but, like, I remember my first real drink, I was across the street from where I'm now right now. Next roommate, he goes, let's go get a drink. And I was like, 
oh, I'm 22. I can go buy beer. Let's do it. But he was so <laughs> Wait, broke. You were 22? He, he was such a broke bitch. I was like, all right, let's go. So we go to the store that we were in tonight. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm like, oh, you pick, you pick, you pick. And he reaches down. And he picks up a St. Ives High Gravity. So I grabbed one. What? And that's what we drank. St. Odd's High Gravity. And I remember that so much. And he, he actually did that to me. He manipulated me. And like, it made, and it's so funny. Cause like, I don't have like, cause like, I didn't really drink that much. And like, even my like, love and like, cause people who are addicted to love, I was definitely drawn to a lot of women who didn't have dads and like really needed some love. And they just were relationship hopping. And that's because I also never really dated anyone. And I was like, maybe just out of high school, didn't have a lot of any relationships really at all, you know. But right. it was less me enabling and me being codependent, mm. you know. It wasn't as much of your manipula- manipulation on your side to enable, but it was more of, well... We were crackheads. You were, you were, you were mutual crackheads. <laughs> Sorry, love crackheads. We love, crack, love crackheads. Like Kesha said, your love is my drug. <laughs> uh, you know, who I, knew it I, so really, I really wish that, like, you know, I don't say I wish, but, like, I feel fortunate. But then I realize as I say that I'm lying, I am the world's biggest fucking enabler sometimes. Because I love. So like, hmm. I love to cook and I love to drink. I don't love to drink by myself. Okay, but I don't do the thing where it's like, oh, let's drink. I cook yeah. a meal, and then you kind of like and I slide start, I in the drink. in some drinks. Let's have some drinks. Let's oh, do it. So yeah. that's that. Is that worse? I don't mean to do it. Like, is that worse than just being completely upfront and candid and saying, let's have something to drink? It's worse. You know, the thing is, is that like for you, it's definitely more direct because I don't smoke weed. I didn't drink really until I was late in life. I sell beer, not liquor. And there's, I, I do sell like the one guy who's a construction worker who comes to my job four times a day while he's at work and has one beer. But like other than him, Beer is kind of a different thing, and I sell craft beer, so I'm not selling it to people who drink sixteen ninety ices a day. Nah, you know, and also most most alcoholics probably aren't. Mm, and that right there, I think it might be your white privilege because really? you go to these poor neighborhoods with all these poor people of color who can afford a bottle of liquor. They all go, and I remember being in but the is store. It beer, or is it beer. like thir- or forties? No. It's it's like malt I, liquor. I was has in the a store, higher. and I remember the guy. He was in there. He was like, "Yo, why is this can of Coors one seventy five? It was one fifty. You know, oh, shit. you know, and you're a crazy stallion. That's my right, white privilege. You know, I'm putting like, away. I noticed that like when I where I grew up, it was not hard alcohol. It mm. was beer, lots and lots of beer. Everybody drink beer. The parents drink beer. Not my mother. My mother does not drink. She does not really like alcohol. But she smokes weed? She smokes. And she will have a drink. But I went to, with her to brunch. She had like a Bloody Mary. She took one sip. And I'd she probably was like, be friends with your mom. She was like, woo. <laughs> she took one sip of a Bloody Mary. She was like, woo. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, jeez. You know. <laughs> so, like, you know. 
I just never, that's not what I had, you know. I just did not have that. So, like, I feel not left out, but, like, even my love, I realized as I was telling my love enabling story, I was like, oh, I put in my show notes, like, I'm, you know, enabling love addiction. But it was, I realized, but it was not so much me and so much as it being just completely codependent, you know. Because <laughs> it's not like, I'm like, you need to drink with me because I'm an alcoholic. It's more like, oh, we both discovered it at the same time. Let's drink a lot, you know. It's so, uh, it's so, like, it was me and It was them. more, it was too mutual it for was you too to be mutual. enabling, really. Damn it. I have no good enabling stories. I'm not, uh, I, I literally have none. I don't enable people to do anything. See, and I enable you all the time. Cause... You do. You're the fucking worst. <laughs> okay. You'll get off work like three hours before me, and I'll say like, "Hey, stick around. I might get some drinks later." Yeah. Or oh, what is what is it like the the lost episode? Oh boy. Oh. Oh boy. And and, I'll, and that most of that before it even happened was like you was like, "No, no, have another drink. Have another drink." I just have a really heavy, uh, really heavy hand when it comes to pouring <laughs> yeah, shots. Yeah, just have a, just have another drink. Just have another one, because eventually you'll have so many you forget what number you're at, and oh then boy. it's like, hey, we're having fun. You know, but like I got some, I got some, because we know we're getting closer, closer to the end, right? So I'm very curious about this one story that you told me about before. Uh, you were telling me about this being a not-for-profit drug coordinator. Oh, that little part of the drug, or part of the video, or the, the notes. Oh, you, you're sipping on that voda there. Dude, I got like oh, two boy. sips left of this. I didn't bring the whole thing with me, so. Yeah, uh, you've just been casually sipping on your But I was drinking, but I was drinking, I was drinking way before you. Huh? I was drinking all day at work. The, look here. Look here, sister. <laughs> I started my day. This is how bad an enabler I am. I'm now trying to, like, one-up you with <laughs> how much I've been drinking and how earlier I started drinking. That's part of the, my problem. But, like, I started my day at 2 o'clock with a little hot chocolate and some bourbon cream in there. By, by 2 o'clock, I was running my third beer. Step your game up. <laughs> Look, I was asleep. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so this this whole non for profit drug coordinator thing it, it ties back into this whole enabling issue, where I feel guilty about providing my customers with the alcohol that they currently have. Um, see, again, when I was in college, I was very much about the weeds. Oh boy. And I had a friend who was a really good friend who actually grew his own. He had a pretty solid garden and I would get like I I'd, I'd get good deals if I put in bulk orders. Like buying whatever like an ounce at a time would be great and all, but if I bought a pound, I could get a couple ounces. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of thrown on top gratis. Oh, oh yeah, gratis. Ooh, gratis. So it would it would come around to where like once maybe twice a month I'd then go around my apartment and solicit my my close stoning friends and be like, "Yo, I got a good deal. You guys want to jump in on this?" 
it got to the point where like I would just stick my head out my out my room and yell drugs <laughs> and whoever was in the house <laughs> would respond with either a corresponding drugs or just I'm in <laughs> it'd be we had a drugs call it was drugs is that really it that was it. you're fucking with me and so i'd go i'd collect money from my friends we'd pass around our little uh our change plate you know and whatever praise do- jesus praise jesus <laughs> and i'd i'd spend my gas money i'd drive up to my buddy's place to i drive up to the garden you know it's it's a better term than a grow up it's a garden of magic and wonder and i'd go i'd pick up however whatever increment we were planning on getting and of course my buddy growing would be like oh i'll throw on a little extra for you mm. and so i'd keep the little extra because you know i spent my gas money and so you would get free weed so i'd get i'd get some free weed i still paid for the majority of my weed oh yeah of course because oh, so you but, you got the majority of your weed. Okay, okay. But okay. I still got some free weed. And then I would redistribute it among the people. Well, when I went back from home from college and was telling my, my hometown friends about this, they were like, you're a drug dealer. I was just thinking, you're a drug dealer. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a drug dealer. And I'm not a drug dealer. I'm I'm not. I don't. <laughs> I don't try to make a deal to profit myself. It was the the entire intention of the 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 collection was just to give everyone as good a deal as possible. Did you ever make any profit? Not monetary profit. <laughs> but like we said, I got some free weed out so of it. So like the... if you didn't need any weed but you did it for everyone, then there would be a little extra on top for you. But there would be a little extra on top for me. Which would be... Which but I was I was not in it for any any profit towards myself. And you were a drug dealer. I was a socialist. <laughs> I was a not-for-profit drug coordinator. Not a drug dealer. And then sometimes I would take that little extra bit of weed and cook it into edibles and then sell it to other people for and you're a drug dealer and i was a not-for-profit drug coordinator (laughs) and yeah okay there we go Uh, and you were a drug dealer and you got with it because you're white gotcha yeah there we go that's it that's it that's that's the end of the episode right there that's it it's game over it's already an hour it's been over an hour we're not even gonna get to talk about like the ethics of of serving pregnant women alcohol or like do you do that i don't well i don't either honestly (laughs) but there here's the thing though new york new york recently made it so that bartenders cannot deny because it's not your fucking business uh, it's not but but would you um i've had a woman who's pregnant buy beer but she sells for her husband but guess what yeah. she didn't have to tell me that because mm. guess what it's not my business it is it not your business or, or like it's her body it's her body her choice it is 
that's fair. I'm and just... also, all the studies and stuff say that, like, you know, a glass of wine, a beer is not going to do harm to the fetus. It's an excess. Mm-hmm. The problem is people don't do just one. And that's where the problem lies. And is it their responsibility or is it your responsibility? It's their responsibility, not mine. <gasps> Granted, it doesn't mean I'm not going to feel bad about it. Are you going to feel bad about it? I would. But, but I don't know about it. So there you go. All right. All right there we go. And that was, was that in good taste? Was any of that in good taste? I think, as always, the answer is definitely going to be no. Wait, no. Hold on. No, I still have... No, you cannot do that because I want you passing out voting nope. my house. That's we it. got a shot and a half left. Where's the rest of your your dirty <laughs> martini? It's out there. Oh, I finished it. I have finished it. Cheers. So, okay, there we go. Oh, and you finished the whole fucking bottle. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ugh. I need a new in song because this song is too good for this podcast. I can taste the plastic. And that was, was that in good taste? As always, if you are interested in interacting with us, you can reach out to me mm-hmm. via Instagram at Art of Giving Up, uh-huh. on Facebook of at Art of Good Taste because I tried to change the name of the Facebook, but they wouldn't let me because it's too different. So I took the Art of Giving Up and was that in good taste. <laughs> it's the Art of Good Taste. <laughs> so it's the Art of Good Taste. <laughs> and then in like a few weeks, I'm going to change it to the Art of... I'm going to I'm gonna keep changing it. Gradually. Gradually until it's the name that I want it to be. But <laughs> for now, it's the Art of Good Taste. And if you want to reach out to me for both podcasts, of course, it's always going to be Art of Giving Up Podcast at gmail.com and you can find Was That in Good Taste everywhere, including on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, whatever podcast <laughs> thing that you use, the art Wherever podcasts are wherever found. Wherever podcasts are found. Remember to click like Aisle five of smash the internet. Like on that like button. And of course, as always, we're here for you. I'm your host, Steven, and I'm Chandler Phillips, and I've finished my plastic bottle I'm of not gonna lie. I cannot believe you actually made that whole pint of vodka. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. It, if it was a pint of whiskey, I probably could have done it. If it were whiskey, that would have been gone 30 it minutes been, it ago. Been, it would have been gone. I don't know. Vodka uh, me. Like I, I can feel the salivation. Right? Oh, please don't throw up. <laughs> I'm not going to throw up. I might drool a little bit. Okay, just a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, Thank you so much. I love you. That's it. And uh, go have a drink on us. Peace.
Jonathan Franklin. He is the host and the of the Hot Dog Hens podcast, and he is the owner of the Franklin Hot Dog Stand on 53rd and A. How are you doing there, Franklin? Oh, I am just so hot dog delighted to be here. You know, after doing episode after episode of the Hot Dog Show, it's nice to branch out just a tad bit and really spread our hot dog message to the world. Because there's beef dogs and pork dogs, but you get your occasional chicken and turkey dogs, too. And you know... You got so many hot dog regulars that want to just throw their relish on any of these dogs. And, you know, that mustard just doesn't fly with every ketchup. You know what I'm saying. I do indeed know what you're saying. So we brought you on here as a humble hot dog stand owner to ask you about the thing that you know about most. Politics. Well, the way I see it, you got the people out there who love your standard hot dog, your coney, foot-long hot dog. And they don't want to change for anyone. And you got your classic Chicago dog that also doesn't want to change for anyone. If you had to pick a type of dog, do you like them skin, skinless? Do you like them with or without relish, mustard, sauerkraut? You know, I may get a lot of flack from the hot dog community for my opinions on this this burgeoning market of hot dog tube meats. But really, you gotta look at the Hawaiian dog. It's your classic hot dog on a brioche bun, pork filling with a pineapple chutney. Really brings the experience together in a way the entire family can enjoy. That sounds delicious. And now a message from our sponsor, Sabro. <laughs> hey, you want a fucking hot dog? Come on down to Sabret. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your gourmet dogs. You fuck these little guys on the Strucker Street corner. You need to come down to here and you need to get the best fucking dogs around. Look, are you fucking hungry? Look. I- is there anything cheaper on the fucking block? No. So come on in, shove the fucking dog in your face, put some deli mustard if you really needed to, but just choke it down and get back to work, you fucking animal. You want chili? We ain't got that. You want you want caramelized onions? We Fuck ain't you. got that. We got the sauerkraut from the silver package. We got the the rest the mustard from the fucking goldens. One dollar from the supermarket, you want it, we got it. Look, here's the thing. A dumb business would waste their products and their money 
on things that would expire easily. So we say, fuck that. That's dumb. It's a dumb business idea. You're going to buy meat that expires like two months before you use it? (laughs) Idiot. No. You're going to buy something that'll last for years. There'll be a nuclear holocaust. Sorry, can I say holocaust? Holocaust. And All this politics s- with China. We work with China. We work with China. Cats like China. Dog like China. Monkey like China. You like it? We got it. The dogs like China. God, are you fucking dying? I had to break character a little bit. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. <laughs>